Hi, this is Steve McRae, founder of the Great Debate Community and co-host of the Non-Sequitur Show on YouTube, and you're listening to The CA. 100,000 years people have been, our species have been around on, on this speck, born, usually dying, actually a great number of them in childbirth, wouldn't have got beyond being born. For the first 80 or so, 90 or so thousand years, nearly 100, not living more than 25 to 30 years at the most, then probably dying of their teeth, if they were lucky, or of the other needless mammalian things that show us that we bear the stamp, as Darwin put it, of our lowly origin, the appendix we don't need anymore, innumerable other shortcomings of our design. We're designed to live on the savannah that we've escaped from. Um, Terrible disease, suffering, misery, malnutrition, and fear. Where do the earthquakes come from? Why is there an eclipse? What are the shooting stars doing? And awful cults of sacrifice to try and ward off what are, in fact, natural events. And war, and rape, and the kidnap of other peoples, and the enslavement of them. All of this goes on, gradually, gradually, inching up to the point where you can brew beer, a breakthrough in my view, um, <laughs> domesticate animals, separate one kind of corn from another. So very millimetrical progress, but r- terrible struggle sacrifice, pain, misery, and above all, fear and ignorance. And you have to believe this if you believe in monotheism. For the first 97, 98,000 of this, heaven watches with indifference. Oh, there they go again. <laughs> They've all, this, that whole civilization's just died out. Well, what are you going to do? They're raping each other again. They've, they've, they're poisoning. The, they think that the other tribe has poisoned the well, so they're going to kill all their children. All this, just watch all that. 3,000 years ago at the most, it's decided, no, we've got to intervene now. Welcome to the Canadian Atheist, a podcast about news, current events, and commentary on all things atheism from a Canadian perspective. Now, if this podcast carries the explicit tag, and where is it like a motherfucking badge of honor? So if you get offended, you might want to switch off. The CA records each week live from Apostasy Studios. Why not join in the discussion? Find us on Facebook, email us at thecA at rogers.com, or follow us on the old Twitter machine at the underscore CA underscore podcast. If we're amused or tweaked by your stuff, we just might even use it on the show. And now, here are Michael and Dean. All right, here we go. Welcome to CA. Today is Thursday, March 5th, 2020. Oh, and this is episode 104. Uh, this afternoon, sorry, it's just, uh, you're just going to have to live with uh, just me. It's just Michael. Uh, we're doing this uh, recording during the day. Dean has a real job. And uh, so that's uh, what you'll have to put up with, unfortunately. But um, we got more stuff coming up uh, next week and, of course, moving on. And he'll be back for all that stuff. So, but... Uh, so joining uh, joining me today, uh, we've uh, I've got a guest uh, uh, coming to us uh, via Skype from California. Um, so he's the uh, founder, and this is this shouldn't be a, a big surprise when I announce his name because uh, he's the first time third timer on the on the CA. So that's exciting. Uh, so founder of the Great Debate Community uh, is co-founder and now full owner of the Non Sequitur Show, uh, which we'll get into a lot. Um, ho- co-host of Caffeine Corner with uh, Cheshire. Uh, he's a sometimes stir of the pot, but uh, always a provider of evidence for his positions. Uh, Steve McRae. Steve, welcome hey. back to the CA. Thank you, Michael. It's good to be back, man. I really enjoyed it last time I was on. Actually, I think 
Wasn't it? Has it been tw- twice? I think before, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So this is the third yeah. time. This yeah. is the, th- the third last time, time yeah. was with, last time with was you and Chesh, and we did the news and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it, it it's uh, it's good. How's the weather out there in California? Oh man, it has actually gotten much nicer than it was. This was kind of a cold winter, and now it's like gorgeous, typical California sun, not a cloud in the sky, seventy five degrees, perfect. You know. All right, okay, shut up now. Um, <laughs> Be jelly, be jelly. <laughs> we, we, yeah, so we're sitting around. No, we have a gorgeous sunny day outside. And uh, let's see if I do the conversion. It's about uh, 35 degrees, 36 degrees. Um, but it's gorgeous. And spring is close. So it's, uh, so it's. Uh, that's like, that's like 95 degrees Fahrenheit, in American speak. No, sorry. No, what I was saying is I was saying 35 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, Fahrenheit. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I was doing the conversion for I was you. like, that's hot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, well, it's funny. So, um, I, th- I may have so told you're the story. Bu- you're barely above zero then. Yeah, we are barely above zero. Yeah. 32 uh, C is, 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 uh, zero Fahrenheit. So yeah. or zero Fahrenheit is 32 C. No, yeah. 30, zero C is 32 Fahrenheit. So 35 Fahrenheit is about two, yeah. one, one and a half Fahrenheit. Something like something. that. Yeah. yeah. We've done, I remember, uh, I was in, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul a thousand years ago in business and, uh, we're chatting with some people there and, I said, oh, you know, and they say, oh, you know, where are you from? Well, from Toronto. Oh, what's it like up there? And I said, what do you mean up there? And I've, uh, I took them over to a map in their office, and I showed them, you know, um, on the map. And they were, we did the calculation. They're about 170 miles north of where we are in Toronto. And, and, and I said, you know, I said, now, now draw the line from, from Toronto uh, across. And southern Ontario is the same latitude as northern California. Um, we get stinking hot here in the summertime because and Lake Ontario is a big enough body of water to really influence our weather as well. It'll, it's not common. It's not uncommon for us to be weeks at a time at, uh, 85, 90 degrees, uh, plus, um, in the, uh, in the summertime. So, but it's, it's kind of funny. I, I try to do the conversion when I'm talking with, with friends from, uh, from the States, just because I say, you know, oh, you know, it's, it's three degrees, like, three degrees, you know, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, it's we, like, we appreciate that. We haven't, we haven't got civilized yet. We haven't really converted to the metric system yet. Yeah. Well, it's, it's only the whole, you know, the rest of the planet that does it. So you'll catch on eventually. Um, okay. So, um, okay. So for those of you who don't know, uh, for those of you who don't know, Steve, um, he, Steve, he, he will downplay his influence on YouTube and his, his influence on YouTube is not a, is not a small one. Uh, you can find him on uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, as well. I'll make sure I put all those links in the description. So Steve champions philosophy, uh, critical thinking. And he, one of the things that he also does, and it's one of the things that, that I've always admired is he does what a lot of people don't do, um, on YouTube and that's be an honest and good faith partner in discussion. Um, he, you know, he, some people I think look at him sometimes as being hard headed. And what I mean by that is when, when he's right and when he can show that he's right, he doesn't back down. And that I I think has gotten him a lot of, um, mixed criticism, let's say. Um, but I, and I, and I think that that's a a good thing. So am am, am I being fair to you, Steve? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I I think that when there's certain things, when you, you think you're right or you can actually demonstrate. And I would even go so far to say, no, you're right. Cause, uh, the things that I, I, some of the things I do say, I can, I can definitely say are true and demonstrate. And I think you, I think having a fervent 
approach to certain topics is it's completely fine if you could back them up, right? If they're, if uh, I, I know I can be fervent in, in, in my approach to various things and people come across uh, or people say I come across as maybe smug uh, uh, sometimes, right? And it's not that. It's just that if somebody says, hey, Steve, you know, do you think one plus one equals three? And I say, no, one plus one equals two. And they're like, well, you're wrong. And I'm like, no, one plus one equals two. I'm going to be a little passionate about it, right? Because it's an objective fact. And so I have people arguing against me about objective facts. These aren't even subjective things. And that's where it's like, well, I'm not going to back down because you can go look for yourself and see that it's objective, right? Yeah, no, it's true. And it's like in, in the YouTube comment sections, you'll see sometimes you'll see, <clears throat> um, you know, you'll see, you'll see smug. Um, I've seen arrogant. I've seen unwavering. And, but, but when you go back and you actually look at, I mean, cause the YouTube comment section is, for most times, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it can be cancer. But I, I mean, I like reading the comments. That's one yeah. of the things, you know, things I, I do. I, in fact, I read some comments the other day with, with Sweet Heathen, and it was it was fun. It was really fun. Uh, but yeah, they can be to- they can be very very toxic to say the least. Yeah, and so it, it, you'll you'll see some of these weird things, and you go back and look at them and say, well, okay, yes, he's yes he's he's not backing down. But like I said before, like he also happens to be right in this instance. And there's a difference between, so I had, um, I had a, a I don't know call it a debate, a discussion with, uh, whatever he's, fuck he's calling himself now, Duncan Atheism on Modern Day Debate. A couple, <laughs> um, whatever he's calling himself this week. Yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, through the whole thing, I kept on saying, you know, can you please just, because he just says, comes out and says, God exists because he's demonstrated, you know, he's revealed himself and that's it, which are just claims. And I, and through the whole thing, I'm just like, can you just, can you just give me something? Can you just give me something? And, and to the reverse of that, it's like when I don't, I can't think, and I don't want to, you know, be too fallacious at the beginning of the beginning of this, but I don't think I've ever seen uh, a, a conversation or discussion that you've been in, involved in where someone has said, where you have claimed something and haven't been able to back it up. And that's, and for me, that's the difference. That's, well, that's the I barometer. Would, I mean, there, there has been instances where I've said, look, I, I can't at the moment really substantiate this. I, I'll give you my self-assessment. I'll give you my belief on it, but I'm not prepared to like argue with it or give the, all the evidence for it. That can happen, right? I mean, there's certain yeah. things that even I, uh, I probably know that I, there's certain things that I, I, I would really have to go out of my way to really try to um, show somebody, right? Even though I'm, I think I'm, I'm justified. But those aren't the ones I really argue, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, so, all right, so... For I let people know that, though. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so for everybody who's listening, um, I, you've heard me talk about the non-sequitur show a lot. You heard me talk, you know, last year about how, uh, how it fell apart and, and I was upset about that and everything else like that. So... I, I wanted to give uh, Steve the opportunity to talk about this, to give him, you know, because all you've heard from me is, okay, you know, kind of a quick update. Hey, this is what's happening. And I don't know how many of you are, you know, are, are following. You should definitely go on to, like at minimum, and again, all the links will be in the description. Go on to Steve McRae's YouTube channel and Great Debate Community. If, if, if the debate thing is, is your thing, and definitely give those things a, a, a sub. <clears throat> um, but I wanted to give Steve the opportunity to kind of take us, um, you know, kind of, uh, through the process and then to his, to what it can now be, I think safely called his victory lap and, uh, and, and kind of lay it out so that, uh, everyone will have a firm understanding. So in as much detail as you'd like, Steve, go ahead. Well, the non sequitur show was a first start off as a podcast. Uh, it was about basically, uh, people having opinions, people having discussions, it was predicated on something that I had, 
started on G+, which was called the Great Debate Community. Uh, again, people may know that, that that name had been around for a while, but nobody was really doing much with it. It was a very small kind of group, just loosely knit. But I, I wanted to formalize it. I wanted to make it um, into something bigger. I knew that I could make it uh, a brand for it and have potential, uh, especially when you have uh, honest people having honest dialogues and discussions about various topics. And I, I saw that people had interest in these topics. I know I did. And so... Uh, I had uh, Kyle Curtis approach me on uh, starting a podcast with him on on these types of, of subjects, and we started that podcast. It did, and it got about uh, it was well over half a million iTunes downloads the last time I looked. It was it was fast approaching a million, which is quite a quite a lot for a podcast. I mean, you That's do podcasts, yep. yeah. It's 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 nothing to be <laughs> to be balked at. I mean, especially because the podcast only went a year and a half, and we had you know over. I think the last time I saw the numbers. I, if I was guessing around 635,000, I just iTunes downloads, not including Stitcher and uh, you know all the other RSS feeds. Yeah, I remember but, we chatted. I remember we chatted about this the first time uh, you were on. I remember we chatted about this. Yeah, so th- that's yeah, certainly that's that's a that is a considerable number to be proud of, for sure. Yeah, and it was and it was kind of funny because you know uh, one of the things I did every. Uh, like five days a week was uh, do the podcast. And that would take about two hours of my time. 90 minutes is about two hours. Uh, and you do podcasts, you know it can be time consuming. I had to go in, I had to edit out some ums quite frequently, a lot of ums. I had to like adjust the sound qualities. I had to add bumper music. I had to render down to 96 KPS. Uh, then I had to upload it. I mean, this is a time consuming process. It's not challenging, right? It's not like it's technologically that challenging, but it is time consuming. And so... Um, that goes into the whole uh, part of this being on the show the, as a co-host of the non-sequitur show. So we decided to make that into uh, an actual show on YouTube, and uh, it took off exponentially. It became one of the fastest uh, growing popular shows. Uh, I would have to say for that genre, the only show that I can think was more popular, and I don't even know if it's the same genre, but possibly the Drunken Peasants, right, with, sure, with Ben yeah. and Billy. Uh, you know, they, they were they were huge, but we had started, uh, it was funny because when we first started, one of my goals was to uh, exceed their numbers, right? I mean, I, I didn't I didn't think it was, you know, going to be possible, but at least, you know, that's our goal, right? That's at least something we can shoot for, right? And uh, we end up, you know, getting there a little bit. Uh, obviously, there's some problems with drunken peasants, and they've changed their things, and that's that, um, you know, lowered their overall numbers, but... Uh, come to, you know, year and a half later, two and a half, or actually it's been two years now, you know, now I'm at, actually on the Drunken Peasants twice a month, you know. Um, and I've actually become really good friends with, with Ben and uh, and Billy. So, uh, you know, I reached my goal as far as my personal goals, right? Because uh, if you want, if, if, what does it mean to actually succeed, right? If, if, if I didn't beat them in numbers, even though it was cl- getting close, and the non-secular show is no longer around at the moment, uh, and I'm doing some of drunk peasants, then, you know, hey, I think I've succeeded. But anyways, long story short, the YouTube channel did exceptionally well. We had great guests on, like, um, you know, we had Aaron Rod do a debate with Ken Hoven, which was something that was decades in the making. Uh, that was amazing. We had... Pine um, trees, pine trees. Pine trees and elephants, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. uh, pine trees and elephants aren't related, even though they're both some chaotic. <clears throat> right, uh, so just to, to cut in for a second, so if if there is a human who hasn't seen that... Um, just go, just go to YouTube and look up. Oh, you'd probably only have to put in pine trees and elephants and it would be what come up. I don't know how many views it has now. I personally have watched it half a dozen times cause it's so good. Um, and uh, you know, Arn's been on the podcast. Uh, we had Kent Hoven on two years ago or, or so now, but that, that was a thing of epicness without doubt. Yeah. Sorry, Steve, continue. 
No, no, that's fine. Uh, yeah, and, and well, that one I think has about a half a million views, give or take. Um, the, the you know what came out of that though was the whole GCAT thing, which was on the Great Debate Community channel, right? And, and then I kind of edited it and put it on my own channel. But that when Arn and G Man and a bunch of people were talking about um, evolution, it had to be probably the funniest hangout of all time. At least, mm-hmm. at least for certainty, that was the most funniest hangout that I've ever seen or been in. Yep. Uh, without question. I mean, yeah, the it, best. Yeah, the best I'm part was watching. when. Yeah, the best part was when G Man said that he that Arn didn't understand evolution as well as he did. Oh well, he said that before about numerous people. He said that for PZ Myers. He's oh I mean, wow, yeah, I didn't know that. That's wow. But yeah, that yeah. That, that was personal fave of that for personal favorite moment of that hangout. Oh no, the favorite moment was the G cat moment. Oh right, yeah, you're putting the cat. cat. Yeah, it's like you know, cat. this is an animal. Yeah, like yeah. the look on the cat was just. It was it was surreal. It was it was it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. But uh, so so anyways, though the uh, the show took off pretty well. It was making pretty decent money, several thousand dollars a month. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, uh, my co-host wanted to go in a different direction. That was not something that I was uh, thrilled with. It wasn't what the audience wanted. Uh, I had numerous people tell me they didn't want this. They didn't like some of the new stuff that was on the channel. It was way different from our mission statement and different from our vision. Uh, and eventually, one thing or another, he uh, wouldn't pay me. I kept asking for several months. You know, where's my money kind of thing? Where's the financials? Couldn't get anything. Uh, and so uh, once we confronted him on it, uh, he, his response was basically was to kick me and the producer off the show, which even though we started the show with him, or I specifically started everything with him and even started the channel and turned it over to him. And we've been in litigation ever since. Right. Right. Yeah. And it was interesting because there was, there was a, uh, I mean, I, cause I had been a patron of non-sec from, I don't want to say the early days, but, but not far into it. Um, I, I saw this, I, I saw the content and I was like, yes, I, I mean, w- with Patreon, there are very, very few, and this is not meant to be, you know, a pat on the back is only a foot away from kicking the ass. I get that. But there are very few people that I quote unquote patronize very few. And I looked at this and I'm like, okay, yes, this is worth, you know, the five bucks or whatever it is a, a month. This is, this is content worth supporting. Um, and then there was an unbelievable, there was a palpable difference. Um, when people like Godless started coming on and other people just like, this is not, this is not the same. This is this, there has been a change and I couldn't put my finger on it at first, you, you started showing up less, and I'm like, well, he's doing his own thing, I guess, or he's got life happening. I didn't know, and you were under no obligation to tell anybody, but it wasn't even, wasn't even turned out, wasn't even so much that. It was just, Kyle just started doing all this other stuff, and you weren't there, and there was, a, there was this, again, it was, I, th- I think it's probably fair to say that to a good number of people, it's like, yeah, th- this is different. Yes. This is different. Yeah, that 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 was the general consensus. That was the overwhelming message that I got. Um, what I what I think happened, and I'm pretty safe to say again, this is one of those things that uh, obviously is an opinion, but I think it's a justified opinion. But uh, he he was listening to the wrong people, and he would see me talk to people on Twitter, a handful of people that obviously were were not my my fans. Hmm. Um, and he kind of uh, falsely extrapolated that to uh, a larger percentage of our audience, right? It was a hasty generalization fallacy. So he was taking a very small group, not realizing that the vast majority of the group were actually my fans. 
people that actually watched for the content that we originally started to have and watched because I was I think that I was able to have a conversation with more guests than he was, mm-hmm. uh, considerably more, especially when it came to more of the uh, sciences, the, the philosophy, the in-depth kind of stuff. Uh, this is one of the reasons why he came to me because I, I don't he, his skill set was in. Um, uh, you know, doing some of the graphics and stuff like that. My mm-hmm. skill set was having uh, the more in-depth dialogues with people, right? Because I have a little bit of background in science. Um, I want to say that I have a background in philosophy per se. I mean, it's, it's all been um, my on my own that I've learned philosophy for the mm-hmm. most part. But uh, uh, you know, at least I, I when like we had like Dr. Uh, Lawrence Krauss come on. Well, I mean, I had already read his book before, and I read yeah. reread it again just that specific interview so I can have uh, an understanding enough to talk to him on a level that I thought the audience would appreciate, which was something that would keep him, um, you know, entertained because, you know, he gets the same questions all the time. So I wanted to talk something uh, that he probably wasn't expecting about. So I started talking about the no free lunch and, and, uh, you know, space, space time kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't think Ty would have had the ability to do any of that. Right. No. And it was so interesting And in that we, we, we got to talk about that one for a second because that was, it's, it's funny because, he was a huge, like he, he was on, he was on our podcast as well. And it was a, so I mean, we got really lucky early on because we had Armin Navabi. Everybody knows this. Armin Navabi came on. He promoted us on Atheist Republic. Numbers started shooting through the roof. Downloads from over a hundred countries. It, it had a massive impact for us. And then, so, you know, we kind of worked our way up. And then eventually when I was at uh, Imagine No Religion 7 in Toronto, I guess it's three years ago now. Um, I managed to get a few minutes of, uh, I had seen him before at other conferences in Canada, but I managed to get a little bit of FaceTime with Dr. with, you know, Professor Krauss. And I, and I, I basically got on my hands and knees and said, please, will you do this? And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. Set it up with my assistant. I got in touch with this assistant at, um, ASU and, uh, and when we set it up, I was only able to get about 45 minutes of his time. So I'm super jealous of you over that. But, um, I mean, yeah, he's a crazy busy guy. And so I looked at that. Because like when I looked at the numbers for that, because, you know, we had, you know, kind of a level of, of downloads, you know, every episode and it was it was good and it was consistent. And then there was Krauss and it just went kaboom, fucking exploded. And I, I saw that and I was watching, I, you know, I was watching the comment section, you know, when when Professor Krauss was on yours and I was like, this is the moment. This is, you know, because everything was going from a from a numbers perspective. You were already like, and from downloads and everything else, like, you had already far surpassed stuff that we had done. But I sat there as a fan of the show, and I said, "This is the moment. This is that name. This is what is going to make them go kaboom." And then it all just fell to fucking shit. Yeah, it was a shame. I mean, like I said, I mean. A lot of people don't see the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on, right? Especially when you're running a show or you're running a podcast. There's prep work involved, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if yeah. I would have gone into that discussion not really knowing the topic and Kyle not really knowing the topic or, you know, what would we have talked about, right? So I, I am fortunate enough where, like I said, I have a little bit of background in science. I, As you know, I used to train people to operate nuclear power plants, so I had to yeah. learn a little little bit of science. Um, I... I, you know, I, when I was reading his, his, his book again, I'm like, okay, what's some good questions I think that, you know, I could ask him that maybe he doesn't get too often, right? right. Um, and, and sorry, were you, were you asking him questions from a universe? Because I can't remember whether it was more from a universe or nothing or whether it was also from Greatest Story Ever Told So Far. No, it was, it was from uh, uh, a universe from nothing. Okay. And it was basically talking about, uh, I had just, it was, it was kind of a fortuitous because I had just did a, uh, something on uh, Hawking's No 
uh, free, uh, with the no boundary proposal, which is a way to model a cosmology, Big Bang, back to T equals zero using imaginary time. So I just got done doing something on that very topic. And so uh, I was kind of a little bit familiar with it. And then we were talking about the ultimate free lunch and, uh, and uh, you know, space-time metrics and all this cool stuff. And so I didn't want to make it too technical, but I didn't want to make it too basal either. I didn't want to make it boring because, you know, this is, a, like you said, you know, he's a busy man, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he, I'm sure he, <laughs> I'm sure he's explained very basic stuff numerous times, but this gave him an opportunity, I think, to be in a podcast where it wasn't su superficial, it wasn't super basic, but it was at least um, moderate, I guess. You know? Yep. Fair, fair. Okay. And so, okay. So then where, like, where are things now? I mean, so, I mean, you have, you know, you have a, a judgment, right? You know, yeah. time has come and gone. There was, there were firm dates that were set. Uh, I mean, so what was, so what Steve didn't say is that basically the whole lawsuit thing went on. Um, there was, you know, there was, there was service, even though there's arguments about there was no service, whatever. Um, there, you know, there was service was done. There was no response. Court case happens, judge rules, summary, you know, like partial summary judgment. I don't even know if it's gone to full judgment now or whatever, but, and you can tell us that in a minute, but, and all this time, you know, nothing has, nothing ever happened. Um, so where does that stand now? Like has, like has the, and you don't have to go into too much detail, of course, if you can't, but like, has the monetary stuff been settled yet? Yeah, I go to superficial detail, not too much detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, of course, yeah. Because it's all, it's, I mean, everything I say is it'd be public record anyways right now. Um, so public record, uh, I have a default judgment. Yes, it is a partial default judgment only because of the fact that after he was ordered to send the financials, um, what he sent was not complying with court order by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but after he was supposed to send the, the financials and we have 30 days to, based upon the financials to, to set a monetary amount that we're asking for. But we cannot set that monetary amount because the financials were not adequate. They were completely inadequate. Uh, and so he didn't fulfill the, the compliance of the court. So we have a order to motion to show cause to have him go in front of the judge to show why he didn't comply with the court and why he didn't produce proper uh, financial records. And he also has a motion to set aside the default judgment based upon uh, some narrative that, uh, that he wasn't properly served, which is just ridiculous in court into North Carolina uh, state law. Yeah, that, that I have no doubt. And I mark my words. I mean, what is this podcast going to be on? What is it? The, the recording on the fifth? Yeah. Uh, it'll, it, it, that motion will be denied. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, there. I saw a couple. And if I'm wrong on that, I'll come back and I'll, I'll do the show again and apologize. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, there were a couple. When you talk about the narrative, like there, there, are, I saw videos pop up of a couple of people saying that, uh, you know, last known at because this is the whole thing. So for everybody else, the kind of the he was he was served based on last known address, and there's 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 at least audio, if not video, of him being like of him saying you know, with the papers I was served. So, so there, there is no way, at least from, from the outside looking in without knowing all the super details, there's no way that he can say he wasn't served because he's recorded as saying he was served. And then based on what, what, what's been said that, you know, the, 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 in that state, which is weird because the states work different than Canada, but within that state, it fulfilled the criteria for quote unquote service. So it seems like, like for me, and I know nothing about the law, right? I just play a lawyer on TV sometimes, um, that it's, it's, this is just a stall tactic, but the, but the funny thing, or at least the funny haha, -ha, but 
all, all I see coming of this, and again, as, as a layman when it comes to the law, is eventually in my mind, he's going to be standing in front of a guy with a gavel and he's going to be asked to explain himself. And I'm shitting myself just thinking about that process because it sounds scary even to me. What do you think about that? Uh, I think you've nailed it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Uh, he was properly served. Uh, he is the, the, the motion will not be set aside. Uh, the, I have no doubt probably, well, I mean, there's no reason why the motion to show cause wouldn't be signed. I mean, he didn't fulfill the, the obligations of the court compliance. And so those probably, it's going to be several more weeks probably. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think eventually he, I think he wants to go in front of the judge, but I don't think he realizes that when he goes in front of the judge, he's not there to spin a tail like he's been doing with people. Uh, what he's there to do is to answer the questions to the judge and the lawyer. That's it. Um, not, not go after my character, not attack the things that I do on my channel. Uh, it is to simply say, here's the court ruling. This is what the court asks you to do. You failed to do it. What is your explanation? And it better be a damn good one, too, because courts don't like to have their, their rulings uh, ignored and, or even worse, uh, flippantly thrown in their face and told what that the person's going to do because he had actually told the judge uh, or the court, uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ignore your order and do this instead. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty brazen. Yeah, I mean that's that's weird. Like I don't have a lot of any experience with the law real. Like I've never been I've never been personally in trouble. Um the the closest I've ever come to it was stuff when it came around uh the uh custody issues around my daughter when she was much younger. Um and uh, and living situations. And once the like once the once that judgment was done and it was ruled in my favor, um well my ex had said, "Well, well I'm going to go back and I'm going to ch- challenge this." And even like after conversation with the lawyers, like the, basically what her lawyer said was, and so what my lawyer told me is basically judge, judges don't like having their orders questioned. Um, and, and another, the likelihood of another judge overturning what one judge did, unless the judge was on crack when he wrote the order, it's not going to happen. Right. No, I've looked at this. I looked at the appellate stuff and the appellate court also all supports me, every, everything that the appellate courts. So, yeah. And so, and so it, it just kind of seems like, I mean, I mean, you can, I guess you can stall. It, it just seems to me like, or at least it seems to me that this is just stalling because there's nothing left and, yeah. and he doesn't want to have to say there's nothing left because <laughs> he knows he's not going to do well when he says there's nothing left and, and yeah, but it's still not going to go well. No, I agree with you. It's still I not mean, gonna... he's got a handful of people that still have holdouts and I think he just uses them, um, uh, honestly, to stroke his ego, um, if you hadn't noticed, uh, it was his, his ego really became the forefront of the show. And this is the, one of the things that you had mentioned earlier that people had noticed a change. Yeah. Right. It all became about him. Yeah. He was a, he, it was it was his this. It was his Twitter. It was this that. It was all about him. Um, yeah. It wasn't about the show any longer. It wasn't about the topics. It was, it was about his hair and dating. His dating. Yeah, it was. It was weird. It, yeah, and it was really interesting because when um, and and you guys brought up like a, and again I invite everybody to go look at this stuff because there's there's lots of record of it. Um, and I think it was Red's rhetoric who who had that that uh, that video when you kind of guys had when you guys had that intervention for lack of a better word. And it was you know it's like when he when, uh, one of the things that frustrated me would like frustrated me personally was when he started talking about, you know, can you do the graphics? Can you do this stuff? And I remember 
watching that. And I remember yelling at my monitor saying, I bought those fucking graphics for you. Cause I was one of the ones, cause he had put up a thing. Like there was a, there was like a, um, a special thing that you guys had put up on a banner on the non-sex show. And it was basically, it was a, it was a, it was an appeal saying we want to make the show better. I, and basically we want to buy this software and it's, I remember. Yes. And, and if you, if you want to buy that, we want to buy the software, but it's expensive. So if you could help us, that would be awesome. So I'm like, yep. I want the show to be better. So I, ch- I think it was 25 bucks. Um, so not the end of the world, but so I, I chucked in 25 bucks and I was just like, in my head, I was like, motherfucker, you wouldn't have this stuff if it wasn't for the people who gave it to you. Yeah, no, no, the, the fans bought that software for him. And had they bought the software for me, yes, I probably could have done some of that stuff. Maybe not as well, right? Yeah. But I don't have Adobe Premiere. I don't have uh, After Effects, right? Yeah. I, I, I am, people know me by now. I am extremely frugal, uh, I, like to a fault. I use GIMP, right? I use uh, uh, Hitman a free express edition. I use like, you know, movie makers sometimes. I mean, right. like I don't spend a lot of money. Uh, it's just, I've, I've, I've had to save over the last, uh, you know, a couple of years. Uh, and I, I kind of squirrel stuff away for an emergency. Yeah. But other than that, I don't, I, you know, I don't live high on the hog by any stress imagination. And I don't even like spending money on myself. And I, by the way, I've never had a single like fundraiser for me or anything like that. Uh, I did have, some software, uh, not software. I had some hardware donated after non sequitur, right? But I, I remember that. Yeah. I don't think I had anything. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember uh, really anything. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I I did have a computer bought uh, a long time ago. Um, Glenn had to help me buy a computer. Right. Uh, the, my my attorney, in fact, right? Not my actual attorney, but my uh, the guy that's paying for the legal cost. He helped help me get a uh, inexpensive computer. Right. But uh, yeah, the, the fans bought the software, so it's just like, wait a minute here, this is this is what I said before. He was, you know, doing the graphics. That's so we said, okay, you know, here's some software to make the show better. I, I mean, that made sense at the time, right? Yep, yep, and and it worked. But yeah, so all right, so then what? If you had to guess, and of course, you know, we're I'm, you know, nobody's going to hold your feet to the fire over this. But if you had to guess, people like me, who are you know, who are fans, who are who are supporters. How how long might it be, from a complete guesstimate, before we start seeing, you know, the new you know the new non sequitur? It's go- it's going to be a few more months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be worth. I think it's going to be worth the wait. And and uh, before yeah, before we hit the record button today for everybody, um, Steve and I were chatting about uh, about you know maybe the possibility of you know passing on a couple of names that have been here uh, to you know to not not to help because he's not going to need help uh, with with guests. He's shown that in the past, but uh, yeah, to kind of just uh, get the get the ball rolling, so to speak. So I think that'll be good. Um, so other stuff because you're not by any means. Uh, a one-trick pony. Uh, you got this whole uh, GDC, the Great Debate Community. So you started that a bunch of years ago, um, and uh, how, how's that going? What's what's going on with that now? Yeah, uh, I, because of the non-secretary show, I kind of let the GDC atrophy a little bit, um, and it's it's probably something that's always going to be there in the there in the background. Uh, I do have www.greatdebatecommunity.com, which I run as my philosophy blog, right? My 3 a.m. philosophy that I do, that I call it. Uh, and I have some science stuff on there as well. Uh, I've been putting up uh, responses from Dr. Uh, Russell Humphreys on it with Dr. Lachelle and Dr. Hankey on helium diffusion rates, which has been going on for uh, uh, quite a while, the argument uh, showing that uh, Humphreys and, and 
Bumgarners and Snellings and all these PhDs in, in younger creationism uh, aren't that correct. Uh, they yeah. make some errors. Go figure. I mean, younger creationism, right? Um, yeah. Oh, mention, but, mention, your, brag a little bit. Mention your mention. Oh, uh, well, well, Dr. Lachelle, um, uh, so I've been facilitating this conversation for, for a number of years now, and uh, I had Dr. Sheldon Henke come on my channel for like eight hours over a period of time, like two episodes, talking about these these topics on healing diffusion rates. And uh, Dr. Hemphries had written a paper, well, I wouldn't even call it a paper, but he wrote something to the Journal of Creation, and um, he, I was mentioned in that, and then... Uh, Dr. Lachelle did a response, and he got published in an actual peer-reviewed journal um, on, uh, I think it was called uh, Perspectives of Christians in, in Science Philosophy or something. I, I don't remember the exact name, but uh, uh, he acknowledged um, my help in facilitating these conversations. He mentioned me, I think, two or three times in that particular article. Um, and he was pointing out that Dr. Humphrey's math was not quite correct in that uh, he was trying to use an equation derivation, which was uh, a linear slope, just a line to model a two-curve, two-value curve, and it's like, well, a curve and a line are very different things, and so we like this. This equation doesn't relate to this other equation, and Dr. Um, Lachelle had published a paper showing these are not the same things. Humphreys is incorrect. Now, I will give you a little insight. You're the first person I've told this to. Ooh, exciting. Uh, Humphreys had admitted just yesterday. Uh, that he was incorrect, that which is rare for Humphreys. I mean, it's like, wow. But he admitted that uh, the equations don't really represent each other, although he's trying to, of course, you know, come, come up with some explanation, right? But uh, he did admit that uh, it wasn't really what he was going for to show the approximation. So there was some progress there, and also that he was willing to talk to Dr. Lachelle directly. Now, both of them are Christians. Uh, Dr. Lachelle is an old earth Christian and Humphreys is a young earth Christian, but they both, you know, are very devout Christians. So they have a lot of little camaraderie there where at least they can engage with each other. Excuse me. And um, that's cool. So they're talking it out. And so I'm, I'm glad to facilitate that and I'm very proud of that, but I'm, I'm putting, I'm going to be putting some of that information on the great debate community page, but uh, we still have the great debate community discord that my producer bullinator has been trying to get me to use more, which I have been. So I stream about twice a week from that discord to the great debate community channel. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I've just been doing free thought stuff on it. Like, I got a debate with, well, I hate to call it a debate, discussion. I know it's being billed as a debate, but a sure. discussion with T-Jump on March 17th. Uh, I think it's going to be live, maybe, from L.A. And and you're doing that with James, right? I'm doing that with James from Modern Day Debate. Yeah, yeah. he's a really, really good friend of mine. I, I, I adore James. One of the nicest guys you ever want to meet. Oh, yeah, and James, James was on uh, about a month ago. Um, yeah, we had, we had James on. nice. Yeah, he, he is, he, and it's funny, I, so I got to, uh, sorry to interrupt you, I got a little sure. question, so, a little thing, so I had sent, I had sent James a, a message, basically, on Facebook, because we're friends on Facebook, and I'm, I'm like, listen, I'd love to have you on, because, you know, like, he's a, he's a believer, but he is, uh, one of the things that's always, that I've always admired about James, is that he will, he will actually, like, if something's going on, he'll interrupt the Christian, and say, hang on a second, I want to make sure so-and-so had a chance to get their point out. And when it first happened, I was blown away. I'm like, okay, he's just, he's, he's just showboating for the audience to try to gain favor. But then he kept on doing it, and he's always been hyper-consistent about making sure that there is fairness. Yeah, he's and, very <laughs> Yeah, and so I'd sent him a message saying, you know, you know I, I, I sit on the wall on mythicism and historicism, but I'd like to think that if Jesus was a real dude, that he would have been a little bit like you. 
And after I hit send, I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? Um, <laughs> and then it took him a few days to get back to me. And he got back to me saying, hey, thanks, you know, love to be on. And I was just like, actually, I thought once you saw the whole, you know, you're like Jesus thing, you're going to totally write me off as a nut job. And he just kind of LOL'd and said, no, no, it's, it's fine. I appreciate, you know, it's such a nice thing to say this, that, and the other thing. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, yeah, like I say, he really is just like that too. But, uh, you know, I was streaming the other night, uh, my brainstorming where I, I, I just kind of like caffeinated, get caffeinated, right? And then I'll just think and I'll just run possible scenarios. And so I was doing that kind of live the other night to let people a little bit, um, see my thought process when I prepare for these things. And it was great, actually. It was fun. Um, Got, got a few things wrong, I think, uh, but nothing of any consequence. But I was running uh, what I think from problems with T-Jump's uh, uh, arguments are, especially when it comes to epistemology. And that's what I've been doing on the GDC. I've just been having these little sit-downs and have people come in and we'll talk about things. But um, I don't know what I'm going to do with that channel. I really don't. Um, we'll see. Uh, I want to still incorporate it with, with non-sequitur at, at some point. But uh, like I said, I left the GDC atrophy for for the fact that uh, I was putting all my effort into the non sequitur show. Right. Yeah, and, and it's, it's funny. Okay, so so yeah, you brought it up, so we we have to talk about it a little bit. So philosophy, not my favorite subject, um, and something you have uh, been a great help with me on helping me think differently. Um, and, and, and I, I do appreciate it. We've, we've gone back and forth a couple of times and disagreed a couple of times, which is totally fine. Um, but, but I want to say that, so this is something else for everybody that's, that's listening. Another one of the reasons, uh, to, I think to pay attention to the content that Steve puts out is because he, you know, is, is because of how he discusses things and not only that, but he doesn't do it and, and you'll, you will see that I'm telling the truth after the first video you watch when he talks about philosophical stuff is that he doesn't do it from a perch of I'm better or smarter than you. He does it from a perch of, you know, and he'll admit freely, I'm not a trained philosopher. I've, most of this stuff is self-taught, but I've read this stuff and I've talked about it with other professional philosophers, this, that, and the other thing. And it has truly been, and I can say from personal experience, in a way to be helpful and this is that's actually something you mentioned, uh, Stephen, a, a video from uh, maybe a week or so ago when you were talking about atheists and you're saying, uh, I think the, uh, to paraphrase a quote, something like, I think I don't think atheists, you know, the royal atheists, the royal us, I don't think they understand that I'm not trying to put them down. I'm trying to help them. Mm -hmm. that, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. So and and it's and so I can say that from from my standpoint. You know, it's like, I don't mind, and very much like you, I don't mind being shown that I'm wrong, but you have to show me that I'm wrong. Don't just tell me I'm wrong. Um, and if I, if I come away learning something, that's a plus. At least I think it is. Yeah, I know. I like, you know, it's funny, kind of funny. I like the way you put the royal we or royal us, because I do kind of think there's a magistrate to be had with some of these um, really more prolific uh, atheists out there that uh, think that whatever they say is the gospel, right? It, they're just as dogmatic as some atheists that I've seen in that. So it's like, you know, they, they speak, they think they speak for atheism as a whole. So it is like, you know, the royal we, uh, we royal us. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I have always said that, you know, I'm perfectly fine saying that I am a layperson in philosophy, but I have read enough about it as a layperson to at least have a basic understanding. But my goal is to explain things to laymen as a layman, 
That's right. what I enjoy doing. So mm -hmm. when people get on me saying, well, look, Steve, you're not a trained professional philosopher. You're not a, you know, you're not an academic. You're not an intellectual. You know, you're just a pseudo intellectual. I'm like, I'm not any of those things. I am a lay person who enjoys these topics that likes discussing them with people. There are certain arguments that I think, I, I think have to date are, have been unassailable. Doesn't mean, I mean, eventually they, they may be assailed, but I mean, as of right now, they have been unassailed. And like you said, I'm like, if you think the argument is bad, just show me using the evidence. Show me the logic's wrong. Show me I made a mistake somewhere. That's fine. Somebody did that the other day, by the way. Uh, I had a blog, and I, you know, what's funny is I even put in the blog. I even put on there uh, when I tweeted out, like, look, this has not been really looked at by any philosopher. Right? Usually, I have a, I have somebody look at my work, right? At least it's kind of check it over for any gross details, right? Okay. I tend to, but this one I didn't. I just I just threw it out there, right? And um, Somebody had commented on the video, hey, I think you made a mistake um, on, your, uh, on your logic here. Uh, because uh, I had initially, I said, like, all squares have four sides, and the negation would be uh, all squares don't have four sides, right? Which they had pointed out to me, of course. Um, I don't think that's right. It should be, it is not the case that all squares have four sides, because it only takes one square to show that statement false, right? And as soon as I read that, I was like, hmm, they're right, right? And you know what I did? Do you know? Do you know what I did? I uh, blocked I'm, that person. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> exactly. I, no, I, I fixed Fuck the blog, you, right? man. And I, yeah, exactly. Go to hell. Um, <laughs> and I thanked him for it. I was like, you know, thank you, right? Because he did exactly what I asked him to do. He found a legitimate mistake. Yeah. Right. And when it's objective, then you say, hey, well, yes, this is objectively the case. He was right. Um, I had somebody else do one before. I had a four-term fallacy. They pointed it out. They said, hey, I think you're you're. Um, syllogism here has a fallacy of four terms. Thought about it. Damn, you're right. Again, we make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Even professionals make mistakes, right? Sure, absolutely. And as a lay person, I'm probably more prone than most. But when somebody has an objective measure to be to say, hey, look, this is this is how it is in logic or philosophy. You're you made a boo-boo. Um, I can go look at it and go, yes, this is objectively right. You made it, I made a mistake and I and I fix it. But the people that argue against my 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 main arguments that I have, like you know, obviously you've read um, my argument that all atheists of any sort of any type uh, have some kind of burden of proof, and yep. I also argue that um, I think weak atheism is, has some category categorical errors. And yeah, and it's, that, uh, it's funny. Just to, uh, don't mean to interrupt, but just to interrupt you for one second. So I I want to say to everybody, and I think I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. So. This, this might have been our first conversation, Steve, when I was like, this is bullshit. I don't have a burden of proof. I had fallen for, and I want to talk about this uh, again just when we're done this little bit, but I had fallen into the, the camp of people like Matt Dillahunty who, you know, say, no, I just don't accept your, your thing. Um, I, I had fallen, and, and it was, and I, I've admitted, and I've, also, I've said it multiple times since then, that it's lazy to just say, I just don't accept your, you do all the work and then I'll say, I don't believe you. And th therefore I know better than you and everything else like that. I think that that's lazy. And <clears throat> I, I also think that what you were starting to say is that, you know, it's like that, yes, uh, you know, we, we do have a burden of proof and you walked me through, you know, very simply how to satisfy that burden of proof. It's painfully easy mm -hmm. uh, to do. And then to be able to, to take that stance and then you know the again with the with with the weak the with the the weak atheism which i want to get your point on in a second is it's after having conversations with people like you when i've when i've turned that camera or that turned that focus inward 
and really looked at myself that I've gotten off of that fence to the point now that when I have discussions with people, I'm prepared to say, you know, like not only do I, you know, not only am I, am I not convinced, but I think we actually have really good reasons. Or I think we actually really have good reasons to think that this God, that this God, at least when we're talking about the Christian God, because there's so many, doesn't exist. And I don't think it exists because of these reasons. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's perfectly fine. I think, you know, that's, that's, probably the vast majority of more atheists than they want to actually admit to themselves. But, you know, people have to remember, like, Matt Dillahunty is not a professional philosopher either, right? I mean, nope. he's a layperson, just like myself. Um, he's got a lot of background when it comes to the, the biblical aspects, right? I don't, I, I, I'm a, I, I don't get into the whole Bible stuff. I mean, yes, I've read most of it, um, and I went to Bible school before, you know, class and all that kind of stuff. And I, I mean, it's just nothing that I really have that much of an interest. Don't, I would, yeah, I would you're never you're not scripture. passionate about it, and you don't have to not be. Not passionate. Yeah. I don't have an interest. Right, straight up. But uh, people say, well, you know, how can the great Matt Dillahunty be wrong and Steve be right? Uh, I've had, I've literally had Aaron Ra, who I, I do have the utmost respect for him. He may not realize it, but I do. I mean, I used to consider him a great friend until, you know, he just couldn't accept my philosophy because his words, and this is, this is on public record, he had said uh, uh, to me, uh, that if I'm right, then his entire life's work is for naught. And I'm like, no, that no, not at all. Matter of fact, like you've discovered, if I'm if I'm right on that, it probably makes atheists a lot more stronger in position against theists. I think it makes us well. It, I it so what it did for me was well, this justifies it. It makes it more rational. Well, I I think I think it's probably fair to say more than that. What it did for me was is it forced me to work. It forced me to think harder and work harder and be, and be able to actually offer a stronger defense than I don't buy what you're selling. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And it's, it's funny because, you know, the, the professional philosophers that I do talk to, none of them have a problem with anything I've said on that. As a matter of fact, Richard Curry wrote a blog on it. And he's like, yeah, I actually agree with this. It's, you know, Steve's right. Yeah, all atheists have a burden of proof. His argument goes one step further, though, where we diverge. He says, yes, atheists have a burden of proof. But it's already been met, which I will contest with him quite, quite. I mean, because it could be if he means it to say that an atheist has a burden of proof that's been met to justify their own position. Great, I can accept that. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying that the athe he's saying that the atheist burden of proof is met so greatly that it's not even contestable and it's taken as a as default that God does not exist. Almost uh, in some regards, because he takes it as a like almost like a science thing, right? If I say, hey, Michael, uh, evolution you know, exists, right? Evolution happens. Theory of evolution is a, is a valid evolutionary theory. These are well established, right? Yep. I don't really need to spend five hours on that particular topic. I can just, just say that, you know, the, the consensus of science uh, is that, you know, evolution is uh, uh, a working, valid, confirmed model. Mm -hmm. um, that's all I really need to do on that, I think. I don't think you need to go that much, much further on that. And he tries to take it one step further and say, well, atheism has met the level of standard of of like a theory word in science has been pretty much confirmed or something like that. That's the way I'm kind of reading um, his, his blog. And I, I don't want to take him out of context, but he definitely agrees that, you know, atheists have a burden of proof. So I don't think I'm alone in that particular thing. I mean, I, I, again, I don't have any person that is a philosopher uh, saying, well, you're wrong on that. So if they did, please let me know. But I, I haven't seen any yet. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So, so when we, uh, we chatted about this before I hit the record button, so everybody knows, 
Um, I posted it as an episode. Everybody knows a few weeks back I had a conversation with Duncan, whatever the fuck he calls himself now, on Modern Day Debate. And I, you know, I went out basically with three arguments. So the first one was, you know, the reasons I'm not convinced and think, you know, we actually have good reasons to think that God doesn't exist is because of one, the errors of the Bible, um, two, the problem of evil and suffering, and three, the fact of evolution. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's a bad argument. And so, and and these are, and I, and I'll say these are reasons why you know I am virtually convinced, but I'm you know I'm I'm open you know yes science conclusions in science are provisional. No, there you I know, would diverge. Look, I, you know, I wouldn't don't, don't don't throw in these weasel words like virtually convinced. You are convinced. You you believe there are no gods. You are convinced. Yeah, but I'm open to I'm open to being wrong. And that's what I'm sure. I, sure. But that's, yeah. that's but here's the thing. That's an epistemic differentiation of sorts. That is a, what's called being open-minded in virtue epistemology, right? So keep that separate. It is, but you are convinced. You believe there are no gods. You don't need to modify it. You don't need to add qualifiers. You don't need expository. You you are convinced. Yeah. But you're willing to change your mind given enough evidence because you you have the virtue of being open-minded. There you mm -hmm. go. Yep. Yep. No, that's that's very and that's fair. That's the way I live my life as well. By the way, so I yeah. get it. Yeah, but you're an agnostic, and that's not a real thing. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it yeah, but it, but it is interesting. So um, okay, so one one other thing I wanted to touch on for, from a, from philosophy. So I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of uh, the googling and stuff like that. And this is a this is a question that I asked of, and people remember from the episode where Dr. Chris Gadsden was on. I asked him. I threw him a bit of a curveball, and I said, "So for some guy who just wants to read more, and you know, who's a like uber." layman when it comes to philosophy and makes a lot of uh, philosophical errors even when I'm trying to have these discussions because I don't know enough yet what's the what's a really good book that I could pick up and read and I stumped him and he's like that's a good question I've never had that question before I'll have to get back to you um, and we've been t chatting on, on Twitter. So everybody else, uh, Dr. Gatson's probably coming on again in a few weeks to have another discussion about some of his um, Thinking outside videos, which are great, and everybody make sure you go look those up too. So I'll ask you the same question, because you know you have you know said you know self taught, like to read books. What book should I go buy? You, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this in a very weird way with a book that somebody asked this question a lot long ago, and and the book I'm gonna suggest is not what you would normally expect probably from somebody to answer, but uh, I want to suggest a book called Flatland. Are you familiar with that book? I am not Flatland. Flatland, A Romance in Many Dimensions. It's by an author named, um, uh, what was his name? Edward Abbott Abbott, that was his name. Edward Abbott Abbott. And it was basically a philosophical book dealing with a two-dimensional uh, world where a three-dimensional sphere intersects with it. And it it really opens your mind up to thinking outside the box and really into higher levels, right? Okay. And I think philosophy, because you're dealing with things that are transcendental, you're dealing with um, you know metaphysical concepts, which are abstract concepts, things dealing with space, time, knowledge, beliefs. Uh, I think this book was one of the first books I ever read where it just expanded the ability to think. Interesting. And I think, think that's one of the first steps in trying to understand these concepts because I'm, I don't read a lot of the... Um, the conventional books that you would think, right? I mean, I go into Google Books and I read excerpts from books. So I don't have, I, I don't sit there and normally read a whole book uh, on philosophy. I'll take, you know, a chapter. Uh, especially because at Google Books, you're also missing some pages, right? But I will read more formalized sources, uh, peer-reviewed papers. I read a lot of peer-reviewed papers. Uh, obviously, Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, right. Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy, uh, the sources like that, right? 
But I got to tell you, like, Stanford is not an easy read, right? I mean, it's hard. Uh, I will sit there for a paragraph, and I'll mull it over for hours, if not days sometimes. Just, you know, one section alone on a page. Yeah, I've used the IEP in that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then, and, and, and you know what's funny is I've had just recently some things just clicked that didn't click before. You know, I'm, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to revisit this, and maybe it makes sense to me this time, right? And eventually it goes, oh, I get it now, right? And I think that books like The Flatland will help people uh, uh, kind of be, be willing to understand things uh, in more of a, a higher plane. Because, again, you're dealing with concepts, dealing with, uh, like, forms, and you're dealing with um, space-time, you're dealing with social constructs, because it's a society based upon uh, how, many, like, how many sides you have would be higher caste. So uh, the lowest caste in that society was a woman, which was a line, Okay, because at least amount of sides. Uh, the next would be a triangle, then a square, then a you know polygons, and then you know the more sides you had, the higher you were in this caste system. And then um, you know, I'll, I'll, but that's so funny because even though a, like a woman was a line, they were the most dangerous because what happens in a two-dimensional plane if you're a square and you run into a, a line going right through you? What happens to that square? It gets bisected, right? Well, okay, okay. yeah. That kills you in Flatland, right? So, uh, but I think something like that would be my recommendation. And also just primers I read. I mean, I have like, you know, PDFs of basic logic. I'm one of those people, though, that like if you ask me to solve a logic problem, I'm probably not going to be able to do it for you, right? I play around a little bit with uh, some of the logic checkers to say, okay, if this and that, can I, can, I, can I make a proof using these rules of inference? And I, and I play around with it. But I'm not the guy to go to to do your homework. I, I don't, I, I'm not able to do any of that stuff. I deal with concepts. I like understanding the concepts. It doesn't mean I could do a practical application. This is something that when we went through like nuclear training, we call it theory to practice. Okay. You can learn the theory all you want, but practicing is a completely different ball game. Sure. And so you learn the theory first, and then you go to a prototype where you put it into practice. Had I not gone to the prototype, I would have never understood the actual practical applications of these things. So I've just known the theory. So in philosophy, I just, I just know some of the theories. I, I don't really have a good understanding of the practical side to say, hey, you know, can you can you can you solve this problem, this proof kind of thing? No, I don't know logic that well to do so. But if you ask me, hey Steve, you know, what's a basic rule of inference or something like that, I can answer those questions. If you ask me, you know, uh, uh, you know, what does a P and Q stand for kind of thing? These kind of simplest things. That's that's what I like learning about. So I would just say get a primer on it and then go from there. So you learn some of the basic and get it from multiple sources because I've also learned that. One source may not explain it very well. Another source might, and one source might go click with you and whether another one doesn't, right? That's interesting. Well, I think the most important thing there is the difference between theory and practice. You just solved a huge, huge problem for me because in theory, I'm a great dancer, but in practice, I am one move with the white man's overbite. So Yes, yes. I mean, so you you, might, see, that's a, that's a good thing. You might be able to study all things about dance. You might know a lot about dance. You can know the different forms. You can know how, how people move. But when you try to do it yourself, different thing altogether isn't it? even though you know the concepts sure yeah i'm like that when it comes to like logic i'm not the person to solve logic problems but i like the concepts right okay so now you do this other little you do this other little show caffeine corner talk about that yeah every monday 11 a.m pacific time uh i do a show called caffeine corner with my co-host cheshire vick and that show is pretty kind of dedicated to teaching people critical thinking uh and i should use the term teaching pretty loosely uh, but uh we, we explain to people how to recognize fallacies, how to recognize people running uh, what we call narrative. 
uh, which is spin, how to how how we show people manipulation techniques, uh, and it's just an overall catch-all show. It's kind of like a, uh, a a derivation of the non sequitur show, only a very loose derivation where we just like we were talking over having coffee. We, we you know we have caffeine, right? And then we we sometimes we weren't going to bring guests initially, but we decided to to bring in a few every so often. We had like Ben from the Drunken Peasants on last time, right? And we were talking about Nisian. So uh, it, it is kind of being a little bit more like non sequitur in some ways, but non sequitur I wanted to kind of take it into a completely different kind of a path. Getting back to more of the roots of the show, right? But um, yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, it doesn't have a huge audience. We'll only you know we'll get a couple hundred people watching on a good day. Uh, we'll get a couple thousand views, but um, I, I enjoy it, right? And this is what I do on YouTube. I do what I enjoy. I. I talk about what I want to talk about, when I want to talk about, with whom I want to talk about. I don't any, let anybody tell me who I can and cannot have on. Uh, and that's obviously something that people like or don't like. And if they don't like that kind of format, they don't have to watch. But I don't cater to anybody. And the people that like that will go, hey, I'm going to watch that. Because you know what? Steve's going to do what Steve's going to do because he believes this stuff. And uh, I want to hear what he has to say. And if he's right, I'll you know agree with him and run with it. If he's wrong, let me. I'll try to point out why. And that's what I like. Yeah, it's interesting. So, uh, if you remember back a few uh, a few months back, well, several I guess several months back now, but um, I put you in touch with Dave Silverman. Yes, right. And thank you. And by the way, I got to tell you on that, um, I've known Dave for a while on Twitter, right? right. And uh, he's always been nice to me. I mean, I, I've always been cordial with him. I disagree with him extremely on some of the philo- philosophical stuff, but uh, I was on Drunken Peasants with him. And we seem to have hit it off pretty damn well. I yeah. mean, like I was like, okay, I actually, I actually kind of get along with this guy, right? I'm because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make things personal, even though I disagree with him philosophically, right? Because that's what people do to me. They they think my philosophy is wrong. They think my arguments are wrong. Therefore, I'm a human piece of shit, right? Mm-hmm. I am like, uh, you know, Hitler incarnate to some people because God forbid I I I you know have arguments against Matt Dillahunty or or, or Raw, right? I mean, I, I can't be a good person if I do that, sure. even though. I, I have nothing personally against either one of them, right? I have a lot of respect for them, as a matter of fact. But, you know, I, I'm not going to take my disagreements with, disagreements with Silverman personally. Uh, and he was very nice. And so I had him on my show. I, had, I brought him on several weeks later. And it was an amazing discussion. And yeah. you know, we didn't talk about philosophy. Uh, you know, I, I was like, you know what? I really cannot have, I don't have anything negative to say about the guy. Yeah, and it was interesting. So, because with because uh, he can't because uh, so he was on. Uh, Dave was on the week before. Matt Dillahunty came on the podcast, and all he had to and this had, I had been setting I we Dean and I had been setting up with Matt Dillahunty for a couple of years, so I met him for the first time at Imagine No Religion. And I was like, hey, and we were talking about, do, do you know, he's not, he hasn't been around much anymore, but a guy named Blake Genta. Yes, I know, yeah, I know Blake. Okay, yeah. So uh, Blake came on the podcast, like maybe episode, maybe only 10 episodes in, and we were talking about belief map and stuff like that. And then Imagine No Religion happened. And I saw Matt there and I'm like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd love to talk to you some, pick your mind, pick your brain a little bit. Cause you know, we had Blake Gent on the podcast and he handed my ass to me philosophically. And he's like, yeah, you know, Blake will do that. And so anyway, we, we got on pretty well. And then I saw him again, uh, the next night he had an, uh, he had a, uh, an event 
uh, in Toronto with just he and uh, Lawrence Krauss, and Dean and I went to that too, and we got chatting after that, and then a whole bunch of stuff happened. You know, he, you know, he's super busy guy, and then uh, in um, in the middle of 2019, we had a flood in our house because we so we were we were setting up to have Matt on, and then we had a flood, and I'm like, hey, dude, you know, this our house just <laughs> fell up to pieces, uh, and he's like, no problem, hope everything's okay, yada yada yada. Did all these other things. I had talked to you in the meantime. I had set you up with Dave Silverman in the meantime. Dave came back on uh, the podcast again because I'd had him on before the last um, in, um, American Atheist Convention when he when they had Hugh Laurie on. That was the first time he came on. Then he came on again the week before Matt came on. All Matt had to do was do five seconds worth of research into our show, and he would have known that we had had Dave Silverman back on to talk about you know stuff. And so Matt comes on, the episode gets posted. Two days later, I get a Facebook, uh, he posts something on my timeline, like my Facebook timeline saying, bye. And I'm unfriended, I'm blocked, I'm all these things. <laughs> yeah, he won't go, he won't have anything to do with any channel that has Dave on. And I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, and so I send him a message saying, like, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Like, you know, and I had spoken to, actually, I, I probably shouldn't say, I, I'm not going to say what I was about to say, but, um, I had spoken to someone and, uh, you know, and there was a lot of kind of just, you know, some, some back and forth and things weren't maybe as crystal clear as people thought and, and stuff like that. But I've just kind of like moved on, like whatever. Um, and, and it's funny cause going back to what you said before, but you know, and what I said, you know, kind of the Royal, we, this, this kind of stuff mm-hmm. like that, there, there is this, group, that's why I picked up on it. I agreed with you. I, I see the correlation. Like th- there is this group of people that are just like, and I'm just like, like, fuck this, you know, like if you don't want, like if, if you're, if, if that's the reason you don't want to have anything to do with me, I am, my life is no poorer for your absence. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me tell you a story. If you got a, a minute, you might be interested about why he blocked me. And before I do though, um, yeah, you know what? I, I I have Blake as a friend on my Facebook page. He did the whole belief map. Yep. Um, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I like that belief map thing. I thought he did a really good job, especially so did I. on the negative atheism thing. Uh, he is a theist, um, but you know he did. He was very fair on both, showing both sides. I gotta admit, right? Oh no, ab- absolutely. I wouldn't fault Blake fair. for. And, I wouldn't fault yeah. Blake for anything. I I sent him a message sometime. I think he's really, really into his education right now. I think that's kind of why he's dropped off the map, so to speak. Um, (laughs) But um, I think he's really focused on that right now. Anyway, I had sent him a message saying, hey, I'd like you to come back on to continue our conversation. And he sent me a message saying, before we have this discussion, I'd I'd like you to at least concede this point. And I don't remember what it is. I'd have to look back at my messages. But I said, Blake, I'm not prepared to concede that point. And I never heard from him again. Mm. Um, and, and, and again, I'd I'd have to go back and and look at it again, but what, while the conversation was going on and I agree with you a thousand percent, the way belief map is laid out is very fair. Very fair. Yeah, it's very good. And so, you know, I've used it as a, as a source. Now, again, it is not a peer reviewed source. I fully admit that, but you know, there are certain times where you just want a, a general source out there. And I, I don't have a problem with that. You can use general sources. It's just when somebody asks you for a peer review source, then you need to give a peer review source, right? If it's I peer reviewed, reviewed, you have to go to Answers in Genesis. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Because they, yeah, they really have a great peer review <laughs> process, don't they? Um, yeah. They, you know, their idea of a peer review process is they give it to a friend and say, yes, I've had a peer review it. Yes. You know, review it. So, uh, but um, 
Yeah, the uh, the belief map thing. Uh, I I I've gone through some of his stuff, and I'm like, yeah, this guy is really really fair. So I like to have a talk with him one day. But uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Was I going to go with more with Blake stuff, or you were going to tell you were going to tell a story? Yeah, I was going to tell you a story. So, um, uh, I've only had one conversation with Matt Delahunty. Uh, I've never called into the atheist experience. Uh, I've never called in to talk heathen, even though uh, I consider uh, Eric Murphy to be a good friend. Uh, I like the guy an awful lot. Uh, I had, uh, well, we had uh, the we had Matt Delahunty on to talk. Uh, it was with aspiring philosophy on um, discussion. And before the, the discussion went live, I had asked Matt about agnostic atheism, whether he still held the position that agnostic atheism in the weak case, meaning the uh, weak atheist position, that merely uh, somebody who does not believe uh, as atheism is nonsensical. And he does. And he's, he agreed with that. He's like, yes, I, I still hold that position that athe agnostic atheism in, if atheism is merely somebody who doesn't believe, then it not the, the phrase agnostic atheism makes absolutely no sense. And I, and I hold that, agree with him on that. I, I think he's absolutely right. I think it's nonsensical in the weak case and superfluous in the strong case. And as you probably read my blogs, I have very good arguments for these things. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's the only conversation I've ever had with a man, right? Not enough to really build a rapport with, I would think. But I was on Facebook, actually, I was on Twitter, and I was having a, a discussion with somebody uh, about how, you know, classical logic is probably not the best way to do, talk about beliefs. These are epistemic dispositions. And so you should use maybe epistemic logic or what's called multivariate logic, where you instead of having for any proposition being true or false, which would be the principle of bivalence or the law of excluded middle, a proposition can either be true or false, that they have what's called unknown, right? So it could be true, false, or unknown. It's a third state, right? Mm -hmm. Perfectly fine in multivalued logics. Well, I was talking to somebody like this and saying, well, these, these other types of logic, dostastic logic and epistemic logic, are more nuanced, more granular to talk about beliefs. And all of a sudden, there's a tweet, and you, people go look this up. They're still out there. He basically, he, Matt jumped in the conversation and said, well, you either believe or you don't believe. And I'm like, yeah, yeah Matt, we all understand that, right? That is, you know, that's a, that's a dichotomy, mm -hmm. right? No, nobody would ever argue otherwise, right? And so... Uh, I was trying to explain to him, but we're not talking about that, Matt. We're talking about multi-value logics. Uh, so I'm like, I'm not understanding what your, your your criticism here is, Matt. And he kept on just kind of reaffirming this kind of stuff, and he's just kind of like being hostile to me. And uh, you know, eventually he just blocked me, and they called me smug. And I'm like, you, you didn't even know what the hell we're talking about, right? Yeah. And then he blocks me on Facebook, and his reasoning on Facebook was I made a post, and my argument was was not to demean anybody. I've, he, he, he said I was trying to demean people with, with, with like, you know, mundane type jobs. I had a mundane job for years. I, I mean, come on. We all have had mundane jobs. Sure. Nothing to demean. A work is work, right? But um, I had posted something very similar. Like, look, uh, these people are, that are saying that I'm wrong on my arguments, right? Um, especially by the main one being obviously that in, in, in philosophy is more generally understood and even normative in some cases, uh, that if you want to like, go read a paper or something like that, uh, atheism is, is generally held to be the position that gods don't exist, right? Or, or theism is false, or the belief that, that there are no gods, right? Obstensively, that there, there are no gods. Now, this is, this is standard. This is, this is objective. People have now realized that the narrative that atheist experience was putting out on that was incorrect, right? They, they, they were trying to mislead people, whether explicitly or implicitly, I don't know. But they were, I think them and American atheists were misleading atheists to say, look, 
Atheism is only this, uh, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't believe. Well, we know that's not the case now. Well, this right? is the and whole, this was the crux of that paper, the paper, quote unquote, paper you put out. It's the whole thing. Yeah, well, I've demonstrated it overwhelmingly at this point. I mean, there's, I've got citations and citations, and, and a lot of hundreds and hundreds of atheists have now changed their position on this, right? Which I wasn't the reasons why I think Matt and them get upset because I have changed minds, right? I, I, and, and the, the funny thing is, I need to cut you up, but this sure. is not controversial. Not in philosophy? No, it's not controversial at all. Matter of fact, uh, I've never had anybody that is a philosopher challenge me on this, I think. I think even if you step outside philosophy, like like as someone who, you know, is on the, you know, at the very entryway, I mean, I'm standing in the doorway of learning about philosophy, you know, as an atheist, I don't see it as controversial either. Yeah, like, and you could objectively go look. If I said, hey, Michael... Go find me all the sources in philosophy that use the, the term your, you know, the, the ACA way, and then go use, find how many sources use it as a positive belief. Uh, how many sources do you think you're going to find of each? I can tell you right now, I have never found any source supporting the ACA. Not one, not one paper. Yeah, and, and, now I have, I've, and I've, I've never looked. pieces that advocated for it that say, you know, we want to change it. Anthony Flew in 1972 wrote a paper called The Presumption of Atheism. Mm. He advocated to change positive atheism to be normally more stood as as negative atheism right but he he did recognize that in philosophy that the the general understanding is it is as a positive belief right so that's that's something that anybody will look at it and i want you to take care of that you know i mean my challenge on that even though you agree with me anyways go go look into some papers go find any usage of it in a negative way the closest you're ever find and I, I, i've already done the research for you but i'm gonna tell you you might find stephen boulevant who wrote um I think it was 2010, maybe give or take, uh, in that ballpark uh, for the Handbook of Atheism. But again, he's arguing an opinion piece. This was not a peer-reviewed paper, per se. It was just an opinion piece in that handbook. And so there's a distinction to be made there. But well, if anyways, you're looking uh, at, yeah, I think generally, if you're looking at, if, if at the end of the day, if you're prepared to, and I think if you're trying to be honest, you know, when, when we look at, when we look at so many things, we look at the consensus, and I think if we, I think if we turn, if we, if we put that, on, if we put atheism under the same microscope and say, what is the consensus definition, or the con, or the consensus accepted definition, then that is what you will find. Well, I wouldn't say the the, the consensus definition. I would say the consensus understanding. Well, pardon me, understand. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, what you but, said is more correct. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, anyways, I was I was pointing out as I look. I have, I can name five, you know, experts on this topic off the top of my head that don't see a problem with anything I've said on this, right? Five experts. I also have five people that are coming to me saying that I'm wrong. One of them worked for Sears at the time. And I wasn't even making these things up. These were, I was actually, one of them worked for Sears. One of them worked as a gardener, blah, blah, blah. And I was just making that comparison. I'm like, well, what is more likely the case? Not, I wasn't ever running a fallacy like, uh, uh, the, the, the fallacy of argumentium populum saying that, hey, look, or, or even or argumentium um, uh, uh, evercunium, which is uh, appeal to authority. I was like, look, it's just, you have all these experts saying this, and you have these people that are not experts disagreeing with me. What is more likely the case? That was it. And by the way, if you apply that same reasoning to biology, right? If I said, hey, Michael, uh, it is more, you know, I have 99.97% or 99.7% of all biologists accept the theory of evolution, right? But I also have this gardener over here who accepts young earth creationism that says evolution is bullshit. You know, 
and they're telling me I'm wrong. What is more likely the case? Well, no, exactly. I, and, like, I don't think Matt Dillahunty would have ball, batted an eye on that one, right? Yeah. I, I've but, said the, but, I've but, said the same thing before. You know, it's like what is it? Ninety three percent of the National Academy of Science, um, you know, it, you know, accept uh, you know a, uh, an old Earth and evolution. Like th- this is not yes. I mean, so you're not really again. You're not saying anything controversial, and you can have a not bunch of people. You can have a bunch of people at AIG, and most of their most of them who are doctors are dentists, um, and they, they can say all kinds of stuff. And I, I'm sorry, but they're just they're just not correct. Yeah, and so so no, I don't like to see. I don't think he would have batted an eye on that. But anyways, he he blocked me on Facebook because of that. And by the way, I don't think I ever spoke to him on Facebook. Hmm. I mean, I, I had him as a friend, but I don't think I ever directly talked to him, to my best of my knowledge. Uh, and I was like, that's that's the reason why you blocked me on Facebook because you think that I was demeaning to these jobs when that was not even my argument. Yeah, my argument was like I said, no different than saying, hey, I have five biologists tell me evolution is the key. You know, my my argument about evolution is right, and I have five people that are not experts telling me I'm wrong. Like I said, I don't think he would have batted an eye. So I think that was a cop out, and the same thing that he kind of did to you by saying, well, you had David Silverman on. Bye. This is how I think that he is, and I don't think he ever wanted to actually engage with me honestly because if he would have actually engaged me honestly, he would have had to actually prevent had to present some evidence, right? Because he knows I'll ask him. Well, if this is your stance and I'm wrong, let's compare, you know, using peer review sources. And right. do you know how many he has? Zero. I don't think he's ever read a peer review paper for that matter. I, I don't know, but I, it doesn't seem like he's never he's never cited one to the best of my knowledge. Hmm. Yeah. I saw I, I do it quite frequently, right? And again, he'll he'll he he just I think I think he was a little bit I hate to say it, intellectually dishonest, because he was like, Well, Steve's, you know, just having appeal to authority fallacy or Steve's you know, saying he's right because his PhD says he's right. I've never said any such thing. I understand the fallacy. That would be a fallacy to say that. And yet he's continually misled people by by trying to character assassinate me by saying things that just are not true. I've never said anything of that sort. It's and I'm also yeah. not a prescriptivist, as he and other people have said. <laughs> you know, I'm a descriptivist. Well, yeah, it, it's funny because, but okay, but you, you, it's something you said here. Maybe you can get, maybe this can, maybe this is a teachable moment. So you sure. said a, a second ago about, you know, talking about the PhDs that agree with you. But my understanding is if you are, if you're looking at whatever it is, X, whatever X is, you're looking at X and as, as, as a way to back up your conclusion about X, you, you say, well, you know, so-and-so, like uh, we talked about before. So, okay, uh, Professor Krauss agrees with me on this. Professor Krauss, this, that, and the other thing. If, you're, if you are, quote-unquote, appealing, and let's say X is about cosmology, um, if you're appealing to someone who is an expert, I didn't think that that was an appeal to authority fallacy because you're citing someone who's an actual expert. It's not a fallacy. It is, it is an appeal to authority, Right. But it's called a legitimate right. okay. appeal to authority, and those are just fine. Right. Uh, a fallacy, there's a couple different ways you can commit the uh, appeal to authority fallacy. Uh, one, you cite somebody who's not an expert in that field, right? Obviously, I think that's the most common one people would understand. If I said, hey, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, um, uh, let's see, uh, if I said, uh, hey, general theory of relativity is the... Um, most commonly understood theory of gravity, right? That's general theory, you know. And I and I say Michael is an expert on the topic, and he told me that's the case. I'm citing Michael on this, right? right. Well, you're not an expert on general relativity. Why, why, why would I cite you, right? That's yeah. a fallacy. Um, yeah. If you cite or, Einstein, that would be different, right? Yeah. Right. 
Um, and another way it could be committed, if, for example, uh, I take my car into the shop and my mechanic, I say, hey, look, um, to my friend, I need new brakes, but my mechanic um, says I need new brakes. That would be just fine unless my mechanic has not actually looked at my car. Right. He's still an authority on the topic, right? But he hasn't evaluated it. That's a fallacy, right? right. Because okay. he might be, he still might be an expert, but he hasn't actually evaluated it. So he, I'm not, I'm, I cannot cite him on that. And the other one would be um, to say, uh, because my mechanic looked at my car, therefore I need brakes is true. That that is a fallacy as well because it may not be the case. It could be wrong. Right. You could right? need a muffler. So these are, yeah. Yeah, it could be something else. So that those are actual fallacies. But when you say, hey, I'm I'm citing Krauss, I'm citing Einstein, I'm citing uh, Dr. Draper from SEP. Therefore, I'm using that to support my evidence, making it more likely the case that I could be correct, right? That's that's how you run an argument. That is what you do in college. When you write a paper, Right, we've all written, been in college and written these papers. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. If you've been in college, you wrote a paper. Yeah. Um, you have to cite it, right? And you, what you do when you cite it is you cite something to support your argument. That's not. If that was a fallacy, then you're to say that cite quoting an expert in the field about the topic to support your evidence is a fallacy. Then anybody who's ever wrote a peer review, or no, sorry, a college level paper, you, you, they're teaching you how to do a fallacy. That's that makes no sense, right? right? This is this is how they have to try to attack me rather than just say, hey. Let me explain why your argument's wrong. And Matt's tried only once, I think, um, and not directly to me, but he was talking to somebody else, and he got my positions all wrong, um, and he got the philosophy wrong, too. So, you know, he'll never, he'll never have a dialogue with me on it. But whatever, I, I don't care one way or another. But it, the fact that he doesn't actually might be beneficial to me because people like you, people that uh, are atheists that want to learn these topics and become better at having uh, discussions with theists, they... They don't, they'll just ignore him and go, well, you know what? I've listened to both sides. I've evaluated the evidence. Um, it is, you know, I think objectively true that Steve is correct on some of these things. And he, he won't really be able to argue against that because he can only argue from his little echo chamber, right? People that, because you know as well as I do, if you don't agree with Matt or Arne, they tend to cut you out a little bit. Well, I, I have found that, well, <laughs> I have experienced that to be true uh, with, with Matt, but, but Aaron and I have still kept up a rapport, um, in, in spite of, cause I've, I've spoken with him loosely, like in Facebook messenger about this kind of stuff. And he has, he has firmly said, you know, we disagree. Um, and, and that's, that's totally fine. We, like I said, we don't have to agree on everything. You know I mean? Uh, I only have to do that with my wife, but, um, I mean, beyond that, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I, I guess I'm not, and I guess in, in this case, he's not prepared to throw himself on that. You yeah, know, that, yeah, Aaron's yeah. a little bit better at that than most, I think. I mean, than, than probably Matt, but um, he's still, yeah. he, he, he still, he does marginalize a little bit more. I mean, if you, if you agree lockstep with Aaron, you're going to be better friend with him. I think I mean, that's, I think that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I've also, I mean, I think from a, uh, you know, like from a counter apologetics standpoint you know his book foundational falsehoods of creationism is fan fucking tastic yeah no i've read i've read it and i've had videos on it and i you know i've always supported Arn with his anti-younger creationism and his his promotion of science and evolution yeah i got no issues there right yeah yeah i mean i i I am a i mean so like again you're talking about you know not being a patron of very many uh people you know i'm a patron of Arn's and i'm a patron of yours um and like not many more uh, you know, but again, so, but that's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I disagree with you. I mean, 
you know, someone like, you know, Matt was prepared to, you know, kind of dump me, but it, it's funny. I have to share this. Um, so it was last year on the podcast. So I had sent Matt, you know, when I was still kind of fanboying over, you know, his presence on the atheist experience years ago, you know, I had sent people like Tracy Harris, a friend request. She accepted, we've had great conversations and we go back and forth. She seems like a lovely person. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and a few, few others from uh, Jeff D who's a, f- who's a former host. He's also an artist. I have artwork of his hanging in my house, uh, that he did a Kickstarter on, uh, you know, seems like a super, super cool guy. I had sent Matt a friend request and of course he was over his limit, right? So it says, you know, he can't accept any more things, but you know, you're now quote unquote following him. Well, it was January of 2019 when I got a friend request from Matt and we talked about it on the podcast. And I, and I was, of course, I was fanboying about it then. Because it's like, hey, guys, guess who I got a friend request from? And so, you know, I got to accept his friend request and then, you know, talk and stuff like that. Um, but it was, it, I, I do agree with you that there's this, at least when it comes to, you know, kind of the, the needing to uh, be lockstep, you know, or to accept as <laughs> doctrine. Uh, the things that, uh, that that he says, yes, I think that Matt is more, uh, he's less reasonable than other people, and I would include Aaron in that list. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. And uh, it, it's a shame, too, because, um, like, for example, I... You I, guys could have a fucking amazing conversation. Uh, Aaron will change his position. Um, uh, he's pretty obstinate, but but over time, if he, if he really does think that... Uh, he made a boo-boo. He will acknowledge it. Uh, I've seen him do it. It's yep. a, but, um, you know, I, I got him to change his mind on one thing uh, about disbelief. Because I had wrote a blog on a caller that had called in on the Atheist Experience. And he was, the caller was right on. He was explaining disbelief to, to Matt Dillahunty. And, and disbelief is generally understood as the belief of the negation. So there's three epistemic dispositions generally towards um, a proposition. You have believe it. Do not believe it, which is disbelief, and or excuse me, I'm not disbelief. It's unbelief. Uh, you have dis, you have believe, believe is false, and uh, suspend judgment. Um, you can of course unbelieve, which means you do not believe, but that's not a positive epistemic position towards a proposition. So the three positive ones would be belief that is true, belief that is false, which is called disbelief, and suspending judgment, which we would call agnostic on the proposition, right? So. Uh, the caller had called in and, and explained this to him, and, he's, and Matt's like, no, disbelief means you just don't believe. And he's like, no, Matt, that's not how it's understood in, in philosophy or logic or any of that. And I wrote a blog, and I cited numerous sources, right? I mean, academic sources. Uh, and it's funny because on the American Atheist, it, it uses the word disbelief. That it says atheism is not a disbelief of God, is the uh, not accepting of God of something like that, or you know, do not believe. So they use it the way I use it as well. And, of course, Aaron's related to American Atheists, and I'm like, well, they're using it my way. Right. And he finally had to concede that that was the general way to use it, right? Yeah. Um, if not, then he had to admit that, you know, why would why would American Atheists be using the word the way I'm using it? Uh, but, yeah, Matt, Matt won't ever concede that, right? I mean, it was just odd because he was telling the caller he was wrong. And it's like, no, Matt, the caller's not wrong on this. You can use it differently, but he's telling you the way that is normally used. And this is confusing to people because these terms have a general understanding, but they use it in such a atypical way or stipulative way, uh, these words, that I think lend to a lot of confusion. Because if you, Michael, for example, are new to atheism, you're new to philosophy, and you listen to like 
people like Matt or Aaron, and you're hearing these terms used, and they're using them in a very stipulative way, but they don't tell you that, you're going to take that as normative. Oh, absolutely. No, it, not only will I take it that way, that's what you, have, you did. You did, yeah, yeah. That, that, and, and I've got no problem admitting that that's absolutely what I did. Like, I was, for a long time, lockstep. I was. Um, and I, and I've, I since, uh, since then have taken, you know, a much different stance and I've said it to everybody, you know, who will listen to this and, and listen to my voice when I do it in, in the real world too, uh, that I, that I no longer feel this way. And it, it is interesting because like for the most part, I take the stance on like a lot of the, with a lot of these things, you know, it's like, I'll say, you know, um, it's like I said in that discussion with, uh, with Duncan, I said, you know, I'm an atheist. This is what, this is how, this is how I use the term. There's a couple of different definitions, but this is how I use it. Call yourself what you want and I'll address you. I'll address you accordingly. This is not a sword I'm prepared to throw myself on. I'm not going to, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm not going to let it be a conversation stopper. Um, or, you know, over the disagreement of, you know, of, of the word, I'll tell you how, how I use it or how it's how it is normally used. But if you want to, if you want to say something different, cool. I don't care. Yeah, I'm okay with that too. But let me ask you this, because this is what I find to be a little bit of, hypoc- of hypocrisy. Yeah. Um, you know me for quite a while. Um, I don't go around people telling people, "Hey, look, you're not a real atheist." If you, you by the way, you you accept there are no gods, but um, you know, for atheists that are just uh, uh, it's accepting that the understanding of atheism is somebody who just merely doesn't believe. That's what they want to go by. Sure. I've never said, "Hey, you're not a real atheist," right? I mean, right. I will tell them. They can ask me, "Well, what would that position be in philosophy?" And I can tell them, "Well." It, the way you're describing it, it sounds more like agnosticism. But, you know, if you want to call yourself an atheist, that's fine. I'll call you whatever you want to be called. But then they turn around and they say, well, Steve, if you, if you, because you're allowed me to use that definition, then you're an atheist too. And I'm like, no, that doesn't work that way. You can use it for yourself and I'll be happy to have a conversation with you and I'll call you an atheist. I don't care. But don't label me that because that's not my position, right? I think that's dishonest. And they do it frequently. I get it every other day sometimes. Oh, so it is true. And I think that I think it's where I think this is where nuance is lost. Um, so, again, call yourself what you want. You know, if, if someone who said, you know, so if someone looks up, you know, how the term again is is normally used and, you know, you call your and I, I the, so back in the day with, you know, with you and, you know, you and Kyle would sit there you know, on non-sec and he would call himself an atheist and he'd say, oh, it's, Steve's really an atheist, too. We're just working on him. Um, and although I think that was meant mostly tongue in cheek, um, you do see that. And one of the other things that's interesting is, and, and I've, I've seen this, I've seen this with members of the atheist community is in the same way that, um, Christians will sometimes say, so if, if an atheist says to a Christian, you know, well, I used to be a Christian, then they'll say, you know, they'll, they'll pull out the no true, no true Scotsman usually and say, well, you were never really a Christian. Right, right, um, exactly. St- stuff like that. I've, Which I've, is a fallacy, al- by yeah. the way, right? I've also seen, I've also seen atheists, um, who will say to Christians, well, you know, I don't think you're really a Christian. And what, what I find interesting about that is, well, uh, again, if that's what you want to call your, like if, if you're convinced you're a Christian, if you're convinced you're an agnostic, if you're convinced you're an atheist, cool. I'm not going to throw myself on that sword. I'll call you whatever you want to be called. But I do think, that, but I agree with you in the sense that I do think there's a degree of hypocrisy sometimes when, a, when an atheist will do what they get pissed off at a Christian for doing um, and then do the, and then do the same thing. What I will say is to like to someone like, um, 
uh, like Duncan, who I watched some videos in, in preparation. We never actually get on, on this topic. There are videos of Duncan swearing like a fucking trucker and insulting people and demeaning them and being, oh, yeah. and being an absolute stuff. fucking shithead of a human being. And so what I'll say is you can call yourself a Christian, but if that's what a Christian is, you're a fucking shitty Christian. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you saw the other day that, you know, Sweet Heath and I were reading uh, Mean Christian Comments. And, and Actually, I, I only watched a bit of that. I, uh, I only got about, I didn't, I didn't get far into it. Okay, well, I mean. I, I oh, might, did you like, talk about my, this? Well, I like for example, like my roommate's Christian, right? Um, or my landlord's Christian, who's actually my roommate too. But um, he, he, you know, I've, I've been here five years, right? And uh, you know, I was telling him about this kind of stuff, right? I mean, he knows what's going on, and he's like, "Well, those people saying those comments are those aren't Christians." And I'm like, "You know, I, I kind of agree that they're not Christ-like. There's no question about that, right? Yeah. These the people that were leaving these comments that think that uh, you know, like people, gays should be killed, right? But oh, quote." Humanely, right? As lives are killed humanely from the government, it's okay. But according to Leviticus, you know, gays to be put to death, and yeah. you know that. I'm sorry, that's not a tenable position. That is that is unethical. That is morally reprehensible. Yeah. And if that is your ethical framework, that you think that should be the case, yeah, I don't really put that under the guise of Christianity. I, I just I don't know me myself, right? But I, I mean, but if you want to call yourself a Christian, yeah, then I'm gonna, I, I, then I so I'm telling my my landlord. Yeah, well, they're still Christians. They're one of you guys, but they're just shitty ones, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like the Bible mentions homosexuality twice in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20. Um, it mentions not eating shellfish four times. Yeah, um, and I don't think that, that's not, I mean, the, 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 the way they, they went about these these understandings, I think back then were completely different too, but that's neither here nor there. But, but most anybody with a, with a conscience would say, hey, you know, we shouldn't put people to death because of who they, they love or have sex with. That's that's just barbarically stupid, right? Yeah. No, but, but these, you know, these but, radicals, they, they, yeah. they, but they, they will. They, they don't have. Yeah, they will, and, and then they will stand on their moral high ground and say, "Because Bible." Yeah, because God, right? I mean, and that's the that's the sad part. I don't think I think a lot of these these people, these these hardcore evangelistic fundamentalist uh, theists, who think this way, I think a lot of them probably could be sociopaths, right? And I don't think they've really developed a sense of empathy and compassion. And I think they have to like look for social cues, and I think they latch on to the fact that they can just say, "Look, uh, you know what? Whether I agree with it or not, uh, the God says gays should be put to death, and you know what? He knows more than I do, and he's the big guy, so I'm just going to defer my entire moral framework to him." That is crippling to to anybody uh, with any kind of wanting to have ethical standards because they never really develop their own ethical reasoning because they don't know how to uh, determine right from wrong. They've deferred it to somebody else. And I think some people that are sociopaths don't have the ability to begin with to do it, right? Or worse, no, yeah, no, I think I think you're 100 percent right, and I think it's funny because when push comes to shove, so um, like uh, so people like for example for example Stephen Anderson, right, who is just yes. a, a monster, yeah. uh, Eric Hernandez, yeah, uh, Eric Hernandez, who's borderline monster, um, uh, Matt Powell, <laughs> you know, borderline monster. Um, I don't believe I, I am. I am convinced that if so with what Steven Anderson said, he's like, if you gave me one of those staples buttons and I could push it every time I pushed it, he's like, you know, quote unquote. And of course I'm just, I'm just repeating what he says. It's a, it's a porn, but if I could push it every time I push it, a fag would die. Um, I, you know, I push it till my finger broke. I don't believe uh, it. I think he's a dishonest prick. I think he's a fucking liar. And I think he knows he's lying. Um, 
I, I, but but I could be like he could be a sociopath based on the things that he said. The whole oh, sa- I, 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 sackcloth I, and ashes stuff. Like yeah, he's, yeah. you you mentioned Eric Hernandez. You think he is? Because I mean, I know Eric. Um, I met Eric personally. Yeah. Uh, no, he he has no. It's it's uh, he's got some videos out there where he defers to. Well, that's what the buy you know. And so you talk about you talk about the Christian apologist. The um, yeah, are we he, talking about the same Eric one? Yep. Really? He had a well. He From had Texas? a conversation. He had a conversation with Aaron some not too long ago on one of Aaron's uh, yeah. why do you believe videos. Yeah, he has asking Aaron. He asked Aaron before about pistis. Yes. Yeah, I think yes. that. Yeah. yeah. So I think we are yeah. talking about the same guy. Yeah, and yeah, I think I, okay. Because I, I like so I, I've actually met Eric. I've actually yeah. He. Uh, he, he, and a, a couple of times during that video when he's talking, when Aaron was pressing about some of these things, and he's also done it in other videos where he had, where he just keeps going back to, well, you know, again, because Bible, he doesn't do it. Maybe my monster thing was a tad harsh. He doesn't yeah, do it to like, this. He's, he's, I think he's a really nice guy, honestly. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, if you, I mean, we can have different opinions. I, but I just he doesn't do it to the same level that Anderson does, okay. but then I don't think anyone does. No. Um, he's an, well, Hovind. Uh, yeah, but I don't. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, I think yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I guess. But it's it, it is it is interesting. But I think that there that there is this anyway. I think that there is this hypocrisy where you know you can't. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you should you should behave that way. And I do. I think I think it's incumbent upon each group of people. And I I try to do it from the you know from the atheist camp as much as possible, to try to you know be you know be charitable and say if you call yourself a Christian that's fine. But I I think you I don't think you're a good one. Um, you know, and even someone like, you know, G-Man, right. Um, who would say, you know, he's a Christian. I, I, okay, but I think you're a bad one. Um, and, and I would say the same mm-hmm. thing to, uh, about Steven Anderson. Like, I mean, he, he may call himself a Christian, but, but he's a horrible one. Uh, you know, I, I try to be as charitable as possible. You want to call yourself that? Totally fine. Whatever. No, Darwin's is a, is a horrible Christian. There's no question about it. Uh, yeah. I go way back with him long before people even knew who he was when he first came on the scene. Um, you know, we were arguing with him. And what's weird, because he was just on Modern Day Debate, and somebody had to ask, a couple go to ask, hey, you, you, you debate Steve or talk to Steve. And he's never been on my channel. Uh, he's never been on any of my channels. But I've been on many, many, many channels with him. And he said, well, uh, no, not since the, uh, the, the times, you know, Steve... Uh, trolled me on uh, Council of Google Plus, and I've only had I've only talked to, to him once or something like that. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, I, dude. First of all, I, I don't troll anybody. Second of all, it's been a lot more than one time I've talked to Darwin's. I mean, we go way back to the days where we were on what's called Naughty Event Chambers channel. Um, we were on somebody named MK's channel. Uh, I mean, this is weird that he for some reason was saying that like he's only he only talked to me once, but. And then he was saying that I was begging him to come on the non sequitur show, and I was like, "No." Yeah, it, it's like, it's interesting. Yeah, I I reached out to James, uh, and the reason I reached out to James because he had been on. I had watched him a little. I watched him some talk to somebody else on on Modern Day Debate, and he just he walked all over them, and he wouldn't let them say a fucking word. And that's why I was like, you know, I I want a piece of this guy. He's not going to walk all over me. And it was three minutes into the discussion where he's like, blah blah blah. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to let you walk all over me. Like, just get that out of your fucking head right now. Um, and when, when we put, when we stopped the recording and we were talking about it afterwards with James, you know, he usually says his goodbyes and stuff like that once the, the stream is done. And, and, uh, Duncan was like, Hey, you know, you should come on, you know, I'd like to continue this conversation with you. And I said, if you think I'm going to go onto your discord server and let you mute me, you're fucking crazy. Um, he's like, well, I can find a neutral space. I'm like, 
I'm like, you're, you're kind of a prick and I don't think I need to talk to you again. Um, so, but yeah, it's, uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. What no, I, I, I what totally more. agree with you. Um, it is, um, it is what he does. He will try to control the, the dialogue and he uses, um, mute techniques, right? He'll mute you and he'll silence you. He'll get the moderator involved because he's not an honest in the locker room. Matter of fact, I appreciate the fact one of the first things you said when we first started this is that you appreciate the fact that I like to consider myself an honest agent, that when I go into the discussions, I like to have uh, principal charity. I like to steal man. I, I don't have dishonest engagements. All he ever has is dishonest engagements. Yep. Yeah, I think that that's true. I, I still, I don't regret kind of taking my crack at him. Um, and people will you know, the, the, the Christians who look at that will say, oh, I got my ass handed to me. And the atheists who look at that will say, you handed him his ass. And that's fine. There'll, there'll be those two separate camps. And, and I'm okay with that. Um, but wow, we've been going for an hour and 40 minutes. I know. I, I'm telling you, uh, you and I have always have the ability to have gab with each other, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's <laughs> good. Don't things to talk about. Yeah, it's good. I would like to, um, uh, let you know that once, uh, you know, like once things are kind of solidified, with everything moving forward in non-sec, uh, I want to have you back on because I want to make yeah, sure that uh, I want to make sure that that gets um, gets uh, the shit promoted out of it to make sure would that, that uh, would that make me your most frequent guest. You I already are. Times? No, oh, you yeah, already yeah, yeah. yeah. At three, you already are. Um, so yeah, we've had uh, uh, and the closest. Uh, there's, there's been two other guests that have been on twice. First is a guy named, uh, oh, you spoke, do you speak with Ed Dingus? He's a Christian. Doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. Uh, he was on twice. He was on once with Dustin Seegers. Um, that was an interesting conversation. Uh, he wants to come on again and I told him I wouldn't have him back on because I received a number of, uh, emails saying that he, that he was, you know, that the, the things that he said were not okay. And some of them, people stop, stop listening to the episode as a result. So I'm not going to, not going to have him back on. And he, he invited me on his, on his podcast. And I said, no, because I don't trust that you won't mute me or edit me to advance your narrative. Um, and then the other one is David Fitzgerald. Of course, the author, he's been on twice. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, no, you are, you are the man. You are the leader. I'm honored. Yeah, yeah you are, you I appreciate it. So, uh, yeah. And as things move forward and we've talked about before, uh, I'd love the ability to, uh, you know, collaborate with you a little bit. I think that, uh, I think that our ability to, uh, talk can make for some interesting, uh, can make for some interesting, uh, dialogue. And you're, you are always, when I, whenever I put the, the post up there with your face on there, you get lots of downloads, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if those are always like, uh, love, uh, downloads or hate downloads, but they're still downloads, right? Uh, yeah. You know, it's so funny because I had like S.J. Thomason, she, who I get along with, right? I mean, she's an apologetist, uh, apologist, and uh, I think that she has said some pretty awful things. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not going to defend her or any of that. Yeah. But personally, I get along with her, right? And, um, uh, you know, we have to understand that the people are going to say things that we may not agree with and maybe even reprehensible things. But that doesn't mean that we should disassociate with them or not have dialogue with them or even be personable with them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she calls me the most controversial agnostic on the internet. And I'm like, first of all, I don't, I'm sure what that really means, but I'm like, that's probably because I'm the only person on the, the agnostic on the internet that even talks about any of this stuff. So it's kind of like the process of elimination. It's like how many people talk about any of this stuff? So I don't know how controversial I really am because do I really talk about that much controversial stuff on agnostics? No, not really. 
I, th- I, I think I think what's most fair. I think you are more controversial from quote unquote my camp than you are from their quote unquote their camp. Well, the radical, the ra- like for example, the the younger creationist camp that funny, uh, uh, you know, the, the fundamental Baptist, the the the, the creationist, the, the younger creationist nut jobbers, right? The flat yeah. earther religious nut jobbers. The those are just as fervent as I think um, some of these militant atheists are. I don't see much of a difference, and I don't mean it to be disparaging, but if you actually looked at it from a high, take, a, take yourself to a little higher epistemic vantage point and looked at both of them, I don't see much of a difference. They both use the same techniques. They both lie. They both use fallacies. They both don't understand fallacies. Uh, I've seen the same type of argument from, from, the, from both camps. That's why I like the more moderate ones, right? Or if you have some Christians and you have some theists that are able to have dialogues, you know, those are the great ones. Like I like listening to like Michael Jones and, and, and say aspiring philosophy, uh, Cameron Pertuzzi. I, I get along with them, right? I don't have to agree with them by any means, but they want to have dialogues. And on the other side, I have people like you that are atheists. And, um, you know, I, I love Apologia. He's, he's a great atheist. Um, uh, those kind of people, right? So there's a, there's, a, there's a huge distinction to be made between the people that I like to promote and people I like to have on, people I like to talk with, because those are more middle of the line, and you said open-minded. When you get to the extremes where you say, hey, look, the earth has to be 7,000 years old because there's no other way, and you can't convince yeah. me otherwise. Or if you get to the say, well, Steve, you know, if I, you're wrong, then my entire life's work is for naught, and therefore you cannot be right. Those, to me, are very similar positions. And those aren't really the dialogues that I, I really want to have because you're not going to change anybody's mind that way. The only thing that you can accomplish maybe is changing the people's minds who's watching. And this is kind of what I do when I do my discussions like I've been on Monday debate a few times, and I'll be in LA to talk to Tom Jump. Yeah, it's not to change his position because his position is not going to be changed. But maybe people listening could say, "Yeah, maybe Tom Jump doesn't have the really the best <laughs> epistemology here because he's got some, he's got some odd things that he said, to say the least." Yeah, no, and you know, and and it is it is interesting. There are times when when I when I dial up. When, when, when there are times, and, and whether it's in real life or whether it's on the podcast, there are times when I can dial up the dickhead, um, and and be less um, malleable. Uh, but it's it's usually when I'm it's usually only when I'm talking to someone who is like you know that that kind of you know six thousand years and you know that's the what the Bible says and don't you know and all that other stuff. Um, and then I, I I think sometimes less so uh, now. But there have been times when I when I do dial up the dickhead a little bit. But w- one thing that's interesting, and uh, I don't want it to turn into too much of a you know, uh, this is Michael blowing Steve episode. But it, I I will say like it it is interesting that as an as an agnostic, it's it's talking to people like you that have made me want to be a better atheist. Which goes back to what I said initially. Uh, you pointed out too um, that I had noted that one of the reasons I do this is I want atheists to be better in these discussions because yeah. I, we are, believe it or not, even though um, atheism and agnosticism are totally different positions, contrary to, of course, what the ACA puts out, American Atheist, you and I and people that have actually looked into things and, and want to actually be better critical thinkers realize they're very distinctly different positions, both dealing with belief, not mm-hmm. knowledge, as they keep on saying, but belief. And we are still both non-theists, right? We are, we, you and I are in the same camp together. We do not believe in God. Neither one of us do. So we should be allies in that respect, or at least we are looking at it from it from the same position. Neither you or I have accepted there's a God. Now right. I, we may have one time. I did. Um, so I oh, so did I. Were, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah you, I was raised a Christian. Right. Yeah. 
Right. I remember. So, uh, you know, we were, but we no longer. So we were able to change our positions and that happens. Right. Uh, but we at least recognize that they are two different distinct positions, but we recognize that overall we are both non-theists. And I think that's what makes the difference. I think that, you know, we, we, we definitely don't want to see theists with bad arguments. We don't want to see them use fallacious techniques, but also at the same time, we don't want to see non-theists do it either. And atheists follow a non-theist. When I see an atheist do it, it's not so much that it's an atheist do it, but I'm seeing a non-theist making the same fundamental mistakes using fallacies and bad reasoning and, and shitty argumentation as I do some of these theists. So what's the difference? If we have to be, if we want to be the ones to say we are going to take the moral high ground and and have these conversations and be ethical to do so and you be reasonable and rational and logical, we have to apply the same standards to our own. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and that's what I do, and, and that's what I get shit for, too. So, yeah. Well, I'll never give you shit for it. Don't ever stop calling me out. Well, I appreciate it. And like I said, <laughs> I don't do so to, to demean anybody, right? And no, nope, absolutely I try absolutely to be as possible, right? I mean, I even wrote a blog about, like, Hemant uh, mentioned for the, uh, the Friendly Atheist, who I've had on the show. I think he's one of our first podcast uh, interviews, right? Really nice guy. Really, really nice guy. Uh, but he, I think he made a, uh, an error, right, in his, in his philosophy, and I wrote a blog, but the first thing I said was, look, I really respect this guy, you know? I'm not trying to, like, say he's a horrible human being because he got something, I think, wrong. But it needs to be addressed because, you know, he made a mistake, I think. And, uh, you know, I had people running after the fact, saying narrative-wise, going, oh, look, Steve is such an asshole. He's going after Hemet, one of the nicest guys in the world. I'm like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. That's ridiculous, right. you know? Yeah. But this is how things get changed, right? So... Absolutely. Well, okay. Now that's an hour and fifty minutes. <laughs> now, okay. now, now we're approaching record territory for the for a podcast. <laughs> I think. Well, I don't want to break too many of your records, so we can we can get going on this. Yeah. So uh, again, thanks so much for uh, for coming on and having this discussion. And uh, my pleasure, man. Wish you only the best uh, as as things start to uh, move forward and and uh, and you know with your with your love life too, dating uh, sweet heathen. That's awesome. Yeah, that's actually the best thing that's come out of all of this because no matter what happens to me, no matter how many people attack my character, try to slander me, and uh, you know try to label me these pejoratives, which happens quite frequently, uh, I have met some wonderful people. Uh, I have the most amazing friends that have been consistent for years, and the fact that you know I met somebody like Sweet Heathen, who no matter whatever happens, you know, uh, we we are enjoying it at the moment. Right. Uh, I have the utmost respect for her. She's by far one of the best humans I've ever met in my life. And uh, I'll be visiting with her uh, again in April. That's cool. Um, so, I, 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 you know, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's wonderful. Yeah. So we'll, uh, well, we'll do a quick, uh, we'll do a little outro here and then I'll push the stop button and we'll say a proper goodbye uh, off air. But uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, so we're an hour and, and 50 and uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a wild ride. Again, thank you so much for coming on. I promise Dean will be back uh, next week. I'm not sure what we're talking about next week, but uh, he'll be back. We've got to do news. We haven't done news in too long. And luckily, um, silly Christians never give us a shortage of things to talk about. So we'll be back with uh, news next week. But until next week, I have been Michael. This is where you say I've been Steve. I've been Steve. And we shall see you later. Bye-bye. This has been The CA. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please drop by the iTunes store and give us a review and subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they release. 
Just a reminder, the views expressed on this broadcast are solely those of the hosts and are for entertainment purposes only. Never take advice from two guys expressing an opinion on a podcast. That's just silly. See you back here soon.